last few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant. We're excited to have you here today because you get to listen in to conversation with Greg Lavoie, author of Vital Signs, The Nature and Nurture of Passion, and Callings, Finding and Following an Authentic Life. So Greg has been a behavioral specialist and now he's a speaker goes around and, and does training. I've been sitting in his training before and, and so incredibly powerful, Greg. I'm so excited that you're joining us. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Now, some people may have heard the word calling in a couple of different settings. So tell me a little bit about what calling means to you. Yeah. Um, well, to me, I, I kind of approach it very secularly. <laughs> Um, and very sort of pluralistically, um, meaning these are the urgings and the promptings and the signs and the signals, um, sometimes even the imperatives that come from deep inside our lives that tell us what it's going to take to, um, in a sense, make our own lives literally come true. Um, and, and I say pluralistically because most people think of a calling as vocational, uh, but it's broader than that. There are relationship calls. There are lifestyle calls. There are moral calls and service calls. And the ones you got when you were 20, assuming you got them, really different than the ones you're going to get at 50 and at 75. Um, so there's a developmental aspect to it. But really, it's um, these are just the signs and the signals that are constantly um, uh, sort of blipping across our radar screens that tell us what we need to do, what kind of decisions we need to make to stay true to true north. Do you have an example maybe from your own life or a client that you've been working with? Mm. Of following a calling? Yeah, or getting uh, or feeling that calling? Uh, oh, my goodness, yes. Um, well, there was a period of time when I was a reporter for the Cincinnati Inquirer, and I'd been there for about a decade. And I started to hear, in a sense, calls to move on, to become self-employed as a writer. And frankly, I ignored them for three or four years. And this is Standard operating procedure. Um, Joseph Campbell, who a lot of people probably know from The Hero's Journey, said that phase one of responding to a call is running from it. <laughs> and uh, I like that. Oh, it's and it's <laughs> and it's universal. And so, whatever resistance is being flushed up by starting to hear a call, it's normal. And I really think it's important to normalize it so people don't feel like they're being cowardly when really they're just in a sense following the, that part of the hero's journey is resistance. And uh, so over the course of the next three or four years, um, I, I got more and more of these um, impressions from inside of me saying, you need to move on. You need to 
uh, write more nationally. You need to move out of Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh, so uh, eventually I just couldn't avoid the call anymore. It was coming at me from so many different directions. Um, and that's an important piece, I think, is because a lot of people, they just kind of focus on the the great big calling, like the the vocational burning bush or something. And they, they miss all the little calls that are right at their feet. And that's what I was starting to pay attention to is all the different channels through which calls come to us. So through dreams and through intuitions and through uh, song lyrics, I couldn't get out of my head for weeks that said something about my process. So there's something about um, opening up a lot of different receivers and starting to hear the calls. Mm. Which, I mean, that is, that's the challenge. If we're going to have the resistance at first, how do people make themselves more receptive or I don't know if this comes in here too, but maybe also being able to differentiate the call from fear, because you said at first you feel afraid and, and you got that, but sometimes fear is really telling us not to do something, right? So how do we determine when we're hesitant to, to heed a call or when we're um, afraid for a good reason, it may not be the best choice. Yes, absolutely. And that's why the, the kind of discernment work that's, um, that's part of uh, a calling is really stringy work. It's really, um, it's really hard sometimes to figure out, am I being called? Is it coming from soul or for some people, God, or is it coming from ego and wishful thinking and the desire for uh, financial security? So you kind of have to spend a little time teasing those things out. And, um, uh, you know, because I'm a writer, I, I journal about these things. So I have an ongoing conversation with myself. And that, to me, is one of the really important pieces of discerning calls and acting on them. And as you said, separating out, say, fear from calling. And that is, you've got to have some kind of a self-reflective practice whether it's journaling or dream interpretation, or you belong to some kind of a group that helps you do discernment work, um, you know, women's groups or men's groups or uh, mastermind groups or personal boards of advisors, but some way, and everybody that I interviewed for the Callings book told me they had a practice like this that was just about being in conversation with themselves on a regular basis. And I think that's a, a really important piece. Yeah, that that is it's so powerful, right? And we know that a lot of people teach meditation or mindfulness or right. and I like the way you're describing it because it opens it up to any type of practice that right. would keep those together for you. Right, absolutely. For some people it's um regular intimate conversation with certain people. Um, for some people, it's um therapy is a self-reflective practice or counseling or coaching. Um, but there's something that you really got to turn that receiver on and then be willing to hear what you hear, which is an acquired taste sometimes. <laughs> yes. And as you said, when you were hearing this, it was not just professional. It was also personal in terms of your move. And do you find that a lot of times those things come together in terms of a 
maybe a personal and a professional change that needs to be made. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, sometimes when I'm teaching some of the callings workshops, people come anticipating that they're going to be working on a vocational issue for themselves. And then they end up, say, working on a health issue or um, a relationship issue or something of that nature. And But I think they all fall under the heading of what kind of decisions do you need to make at this juncture of your life that will bring you the kind of aliveness that you're after, the kind of a sense of integrity in in a psychological sense, not a moral sense, um, as in being in integrity with yourself that's going to bring you um, a life of some purpose and some passion. So all kinds of things fall under that. They could be health decisions. They could be relationship or geographical decisions or um, service decisions that you want to make. How can I contribute to the world? What are my gifts? Uh, so uh, really, they all kind of fall under the heading of uh, a deep sense of integrity and you know, what the Buddhists call right relationship with yourself. Mm, yeah. And that's not a quick thing, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, that takes time, whether it's developing a mindfulness practice or any of these other things that you're talking about, they are working in of themselves. Right. Um, and then we have to continue on to the work of identifying what that voice is that, that we may have been hearing. And, um, identifying, uh, how should I put this? Part of part of cultivating passion, if we can use that word in this context, is identifying where you lose it. So I sat down years ago and I pulled out a piece of paper and I made a list of activities and involvements in my life at that time that were draining my energies and my integrity out of my life rather than replenishing them. And it included things like um, socializing out of guilt <laughs> or uh, driving in rush hour traffic when I didn't need to be or watching television or even doing my own taxes rather than farming that out. Um, so there was just a whole list of things that I was engaged in that were draining me. And I think it's important to identify those alongside what is calling to me. Where, where is my spark? Where is my life force? Um, because it's important to identify what, in a sense, is demeaning, literally demeaning, lacking in a sense of meaning and purpose and energy for you. And sometimes it's kind of sobering to make a list like that and realize, Wow, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm losing energy when I'm doing these activities. I'm not in a flow state. I'm not engaged. Uh, and then I read something like the Gallup survey that came out about ten years ago that showed that eighty-seven percent of workers around the world. There was one hundred and forty-two countries that they surveyed. Eighty-seven percent of people are not engaged. And um, that's kind of a horrific statistic. Right. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, I think it was 13% are actively disengaged um, in their work. And I recognize that because I spent a couple of years doing that when I worked at the newspaper is constant clock watching, um, extra long lunches, sick days I came back from with a tan, uh, <laughs> you know, actively disengaged. And it's important to identify that. 
yeah, and that's one of those signs that we've maybe there's something else going on, yeah. and and that we could take some self reflection time to figure that out. Right. Um, you mentioned passion, and you're going to talk about this a little bit more at, a, at your pre- presentation at the symposium. Um, but tell me a little bit about what you see as the role of passion in people's work specifically. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's about engagement. I think a lot of it, and it's also about, um, it's the hunger for growth is kind of the way I see it. And when, um, when I'm at a job where I'm doing some of those activities I just mentioned, uh, coming into work late, leaving work early, um, you know, all those kind of things where I just, it's so clear that I'm, I'm not enjoying my work anymore and I'm not engaged in it. And sometimes I'm even actively working against it. Um, I think it's important, and this is maybe one of the roles of passion, is to help you identify where you're engaged and where you're not, um, and where you have passion and where you don't. And it's really just um, where is your vitality show up for your work? Where where does it need to start showing up? Uh, I ran across. Have you ever heard of this concept called twenty percent time? This is this is fascinating to me. There are companies. Soon, and I live now on the, the flanks of Silicon Valley. And so these are companies like Google and 3M and Hewlett Packard and Oracle and literally a hundred others that offer their employees one day out of the week. So 20% of their work week to any kind of a passion project they want, as long as it kind of ultimately serves the bottom line and the purpose uh, of the company. So one day out of your work week is devoted to a passion project. So one of the things I want to ask people is, if you were granted 20% time, what would you want to sink your teeth into? Where, where, what are you excited to learn about next? What, what would you love to um, try out as a passion project? And just to help people start to identify where their energy actually is for their work or where it's not where it's disappeared on them and something new needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a powerful question. We Mm. are going to take a break on that question. Where would we spend our 20% time? Mm -hmm. And if you can't think of something related to your current work, maybe that's a a hint in and of itself. Um, But of course, even outside of that current workspace, where would we spend that 20% time? We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about how we tell about this true calling and maybe identify it. And we might talk a little bit more about passion and work as well. Greg Lavoy is speaking at our symposium in March, March 26th through 29th in San Diego, California. If you are listening to this before then, get your ticket, get on the plane and come and join us. Whether you're a coach or a resume writer, career professional in some way, leadership coach, career coach, you are going to get so much out of this event. We're take a short break and we'll be right back with Greg in just a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Hello and welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're talking with Greg Lavoie author of Vital Signs and Callings and uh, speaker at the upcoming Career Thought Leaders Symposium. And Greg, we've been talking a little bit about callings and what that means and how someone can identify that. We talked a little bit about that self-reflection to identify whether this is a true calling or not. What else would you say for people to identify whether it's a true call or a false one? Uh, Yeah, there's a question I ask pretty much everybody that I've ever interviewed about their sense of calling in their work is how'd you tell that it was true, a true call um, as opposed to, you know, siren song. Um, And the responses have been so consistent over the years about how people figure that out that, I mean, I can literally list it for you. People have said to me that they know a call feels true when, for one thing, it keeps coming back um, month after month, maybe year after year. And for some people who are expert at avoiding their calls decade after decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, the, and the beauty and the curse, by the way, of calls is that the search party will not retire. <laughs> Um, the calls will keep trying to come through until the last possible moment. Um, so people also said they knew a call was true when it came at them from a lot of different directions, not just an idea you got in your head one afternoon or a, a career you pick out of an occupational handbook or something. It It's coming at you through your intuitions, your passions, your gifts, your dreams, what your body is telling you. Um, so there's a clustering effect 
in other words, and you got to just connect the dots. Uh, people said they knew a call felt true when it was in line with their deepest sense of values. And if you want to get a, a bead on that, I encourage you to consider a book called The Path by a woman named Lori Beth Jones, little tiny format book you can read in an afternoon. And it's a book about how you craft a mission statement for yourself and your work and your life. It's very mm -hmm. elegant, elegant piece of work. Um, so uh, just a way to kind of get a bead on your va those deep values and why you believe you're here. Uh, people said they knew a call was true and it scared them. I, I was amazed by how many people said something along those lines. Uh, I remember one guy said, I don't know, I feel if a, if a path feels really kind of safe and easy, it's suspect. But if it scares me, it tells me that I'm close to something vital. And that was interesting. Um, and, and everybody said some version of you have to be willing to try them out, these calls. You have to be willing to go down the path a little ways, even if you're not sure it's the path, and just kind of take field notes. Um, and this is one of the best ways to discern whether the call's true or not, is take a step toward it, meaning um, do an informational interview with somebody who's doing something you're thinking you want to do, or buy a book, or attend a conference, um, you know, or... Um, interpret a dream or attend a lecture, and then look at the feedback you get from your own life from taking that step rather than, you know, okay, I'm going to take a year and I'm going to work toward it and then I'm going to assess. Um, no, I think small steps and looking at the feedback you get from your own life, you feel better or worse after taking that step. Do you feel more alive or more asleep? Uh, uh, you know, what do your dreams tell you? What do your body tells you? So there's that's just something that's been important for me to do. Well, I like that. And I like the caveats that you just gave to that, because sometimes when we take that step, we'll get resistance in some places, mm. maybe from the people around us or you see, and so you might get resistance in some places, but what you just said is how does it make you feel like, what does it do to your energy? What does it do to, and so those are really important distinctions to me because when you take that step, you may get some resistance, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not the right step. That's exactly right. Um, and you know, another thing is, uh, you know, in a sense, your career, your, your vocation belongs to you. Uh, you're the one who's called, but you're not the only one who's going to be affected by how you choose to respond to it. And in a very real sense, I've had to learn this the hard way. My callings are community property. Um, in the sense that if you if you have a partner, um, your vocational choices are going to affect that person. If you're a part of, a, let's say, a women's group in Denver and you have, get a call to move to the Bay Area, that's going to affect that community. Uh, if you own a company and you want to get out, uh, that's going to affect your employees. So I just I just say this in honoring that some of the resistance you may feel won't won't be your own you know, somebody else if you want to retire how's that going to affect your marriage or your partnership so that's why i say calls are community property and it just i think it just helps to acknowledge that mm, yes yeah and that there may be more complexities but that doesn't mean the calling still isn't there and still has its consequences if we don't 
go for it, right? So let's talk a little bit about some of the biggest fears you've seen people face when oh. they do feel this calling. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, well, you know, almost seems like by design, callings are meant to rock the boat <laughs> because they call you away from what's familiar. That's kind of their nature is they call you into a, um, a deeper sense of integrity with yourself. And that may question how you live right now, what you're doing with your life, the choices and the priorities that you have. And that's scary. That's scary stuff. I think the call I had to be self-employed as a writer, in other words, a freelancer, um, meant I was going to give up a regular paycheck. I was going to give up um, the community of an office for being a freelance writer. I was going to give up medical benefits. I mean, never mind that the only reason I was using the medical benefits was that my job was making me sick. <laughs> um you know, so there's there are things about the call to be self-employed that were anxiety-producing, and that's just part of what we have to ride out and do some self-talk around, and not just push off to the side. Um, and people are af af simply afraid of the changes that a calling is going to require of them. You know, and so most people, my my observation is they will they will choose. Security over passion. It's mm. one of the primary dynamics in people's relationship to their calls is the struggle between those two things. And most people will opt for security over passion. But passion won't be denied. Um, your true self, if I can use that terminology, won't be denied. You can, you can push it down, but the human psyche is like the earth. It's a closed system, meaning there's no away as in running away from these things. There's no, there's no trash icon in there, <laughs> you know, and whatever you push down is going to come up someplace else in the system. Uh, just because it's systems theory and um, everything's hitched to everything else. And I don't mean that to scare people. I just mean it to, to um, kind of doff my cap to the way it really is that you can't, push down passion and integrity and authenticity um, with impunity. Yeah, and that it shows up in different ways for different people, which I think is really important. And, and as you said, kind of at different times. Um, well, let's really quickly talk to me a little bit about what strategies people employ to avoid their calling. Yeah, yeah. Anybody who's ever been told you think too much is going to recognize that one of the strategies a lot of people use is studying their calling to death. <laughs> you know, I've done it myself. You know, there's always one more expert to consult and one more book to read and one more class to take and, you know, one more year till I'm really ready. Um, that can be a really common strategy because it looks like you're, you're, you're busy and you're being productive, but it may may be distraction, right? Um, let's see, people wait for the perfect moment to act. You've got the right amount of money in the bank and time and I don't know, you know, that herbal program has finally kicked in and your chakras are aligned or whatever, you know, and uh, this can be a, a, a kind of um, just avoidance and procrastination is waiting for the perfect moment 
In fact, I heard a I heard a speaker named Rosita Perez say that for most people, the refrain goes like this. It's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, three to get ready, three to get ready. So there's something there's something to that. And one more quick one. Some people pick a path in their life that's parallel to the one that they actually feel called toward. So close enough to keep an eye on it, not so close, you're going to jump tracks. So you become, um, let's say, an art critic rather than an artist, or a talent agent rather than a performer, or a writer, you know, an, an editor rather than a writer, school teacher rather than a parent. So some people pick a path that's parallel to the one they really want to be on. Mm. And everybody's got their own brand of self-sabotage. One of my favorites, fortunately, used to be blurting out my newfound enthusiasm about something to my most cynical family member. You might as well just disembowel yourself on the spot. <laughs> well, and I love that you just brought that up because Benice Johnson, she came on my live stream. So if you're not joining us at the symposium, you can still catch her video on our YouTube channel. Right now it's on the live tab, but shortly there'll be a shorter version of it on the live tab, uh, on the regular tab, because she talked about this self-sabotage mm -hmm. and um, it's such an important piece for us yeah. to understand when we're doing that and it kind of circles back to the very beginning when you talked about having that self-reflection practice because that's how one of the ways that we can suss this out right absolutely absolutely to really pay attention to what we're doing. Well, this is so fun, Greg. And Greg's gonna spend four hours with us in San Diego, gonna go really deep into some of this content. Um, I'm so excited. If you can't join us in San Diego, run out and get the books, Vital Signs. Um, I've actually got that one sitting here on my desk from years ago All and right. Callings so that you can get some of the interest or the um, good stuff out of there for you your own career or if you're a career professional for the work that you do with others. Uh, thank you so much, Greg. I really love listening to your stories and thank you for sharing these concepts with us and with my audience. Wonderful. My pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you later this month at the conference. Yes. And we are going to come right back here on the Career Confidant. I'm going to share a little bit more about the three levels of love and how that relates to work. So don't go anywhere. We're saying goodbye to Greg, but I'll be right back here on the Career Confidant. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And Greg Lavoy was just on talking about his ideas around callings and vital signs, how we need to uncover the authentic reasons that we work, how we can respond to what we feel like is a calling in our life or in our work, and how we can work and and kind of uncover that passion at work. Now, I started talking about purpose and passion and work years and years ago. In fact, when I first joined Twitter, I, I got the handle work with purpose. And I've always felt a little bit differently, especially about purpose in work. And this kind of goes to what Greg was talking about, because when we know where we're headed and we kind of have an idea of what our foundation is, who we are, what we like to do, where we're going, then we can show up to whatever work we're doing in purpose, on purpose. Because even if I'm not enjoying my job today, if I know where I'm going, I can figure out how does what I'm doing today get me where I want to go eventually. And I started out in the the university setting. And my first job in the university setting was scanning articles so that they could be sent to people around the world who requested them from the Colorado State University Library. And, you know, you might think, oh, kind of a boring job, right? But I I was new to the, obviously new to campus. I was a freshman just getting started. And so I worked that job with purpose. And my purpose was that I was going to learn where things were in the library, right? I was getting this intimate view to where everything was in the library. Now I knew a little bit at least of my foundation, my heart, my roots were research. I love to research. And if you follow my newsletters and it's been a while since I did one on LinkedIn, but you know that I write about data and I write about kind of picking that data apart and seeing what it really is all about and what it's saying. And that has been a part of my core since I was driving my mom nuts when I was little tiny, right? So that piece of it, I could grab onto. Yeah, it was this boring job. You were sitting there scanning articles, but I knew quickly how to get to any part of the library and find what I need. And that served me. I only worked that job maybe a year, but that served me throughout my university work because when I wanted to research something and I, you know, did my honors thesis and I did all the, the researchy nerdy work that 
I knew where things were in the library. I was one of the few people in some of my classes who'd been to the basement in the library where all the archives were, and I knew how to find things. And it was one of those jobs that could have been a throwaway job. I could have hated it. But instead, by luck at that point, because I was a freshman, I really didn't know what I was doing, but I connected what I could get out of the job with where I saw myself going in the future and what I knew about my my core, my roots. And when we do that, that helps us show up better at work, which is gonna make us more successful. It's gonna make us have better connections with the people around us. And it also helps us feel like we're showing up on purpose. We're showing up with me. And you bring that meaning to your work. If you're going to work looking for someone else to give you meaning or looking for what you do to give you meaning, in almost every job, you're going to be disappointed. I think part of this journey towards calling is also figuring out that you have the agency to bring that to almost anything you do. And if you look in within while you're headed towards whatever it might be that calling is, that you're also bringing it with you. So this comes along together with how I feel about passion at work. So sitting in a Catholic wedding, oh man, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago now, and the priest at my friend's wedding started talking about the three types of love, eros, agape, and philos. And this is a true careers nerd sitting at a wedding, hearing the priest talk about these three levels of love and immediately I thought about how they apply to our careers. So there, and then in the Western world, they use Western words. And so I'll try to kind of mix those in here um, so that we can, um, so that we can carry them through. But so I'm going to talk about Eros being kind of the uh, lust, right? Eros is that um, lusty kind of love. And it's the kind of love that we enjoy. It brings those the little tingly feelings, right? Butterflies in your stomach, whatever it might be that you think of when you think about new love or um, that kind of falling in love type of way we talk about love, infatuation, right? And it talks about how the Greeks saw it as a dangerous because you lose control it's also dangerous because we fall out of that type of love. And when people are talking about passion for their work, I often hear a little bit of this and what they're talking about, that they want to love waking up and going to work every morning, that they want to jump out of bed and go to work every morning. And y'all, that is lust. And it's we need to have it at some point for our job, but if that's the only way we love our job. It's not going to last no matter what the job is. My husband was telling me about a story that he read recently about someone who'd been a lawyer and they left their lawyer job. And now they had this article or something out there about them, about how they loved this new independent work that they were doing. And I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'd love to hear what that person says in six months because you are in the honeymoon period still. You're still in lust 
with that job, with the infatuation of independent work and flexibility and all of the things that we talk about. But those things wear off eventually. I've worked for myself. I've been, a, a, you know, I've been an independent person here for 15 years. And I can tell you that those things wear off. And if you're not in love with the type of work you're doing, that lust doesn't last. So that's Eros. Then you've got Philia, Philos, and that's that brotherly love. That's the camaraderie. That's the, the friendship. And so when we have that kind of love for work, that may actually be friends at work. It may be that we, we, um, we have that back and forth of love for work that we aren't um, in the throes of blind lust but we're there, we have loyalty, maybe we uh, have that appreciation, we, we sacrifice a little bit, but we understand that it's not going to be that rush every morning, right? That we've got that um, connection in a little bit different way. And sometimes, of course, that this blossoms out of that lust if you think about a long-term marriage or whatever, that may be some kind of partnership. Um, but there's also a part of it that's different. It's different than that lust. It's, I don't want to say more evolved, right? But it, it can evolve out of it, but it's just a different approach. Typically a little longer term, maybe sometimes a little bit more arm's length when you think about your relationship with a friend versus um, a spouse or, you know, someone that you fell in love with first before you moved into that type of love. It can be different, but it it isn't as fiery, but it also has a little bit long, longer tail, if you will, a little slower burn. Now, agape is that kind of unconditional love. And I've been talking and learning a lot about unconditional love, especially for self in the last six months, um, doing some work with Shirzad Charmin and uh, positive intelligence. And this is a hard one to grasp at even towards ourselves, but there's this idea that we have that charity or altruism or, um, you know, that we show up in that selfless way. And I don't know that this type of love necessarily applies as much to work. But what I do see when we look at these different types of work is that, and I think about it more in terms of philos or maybe as it kind of applies to agape, that when you are in this type of love, it is a choice that you make every day. It's not all roses. And, you know, when we look at a long-term partnership, long-term marriage spouse, it isn't that there aren't things that are wrong, but that you're committed enough to it to stick it through. Now we've got to move through our work life and figure out what is that passion that has sticking power. And what I love about some of the work in this area and some of the research in this area is that it's not one or the other. It doesn't have to be that we find our passion and then go get work in that area. Sometimes that doesn't work out for people actually, or that we work at something and we develop a passion. That's possible too. 
but that different people find it different ways. And isn't that just the same thing with love? Romantic, human, friend to friend type of love. We all do it differently. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, talk a little bit more about how you can find your passion and purpose at work if you want to feel more fulfilled in the work that you're doing. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Are you a business owner, 1099 contractor, part-time employee, or volunteer who needs group health coverage you can actually afford? Do you know a nonprofit who would benefit from unlimited zero-cost funding? How about cost reduction, school safety, mental health wellness, and more? All these and more are fair game on finding certainty. If you want more certainty in your own life, you are not alone. Join us each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Find your own brand of certainty and realize your personal American dream with Finding Certainty, hosted by Patrick Lang. Let's unwrap the certainty experience together. Defeat the Chaos with Corey Harris and Julie Traxler hits on topics every week that affect small business owners across this country. They provide insights that show entrepreneurs how to reduce stress, wear fewer hats, and work shorter hours. Take your business from being owner-dependent and stagnant to growth-ready and process-driven every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are tuned in to the Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Marie at strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to the Career Confidant. Welcome back to the Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about purpose and passion. And earlier with Greg Lavoie, we were talking about that callings in our work. And these ideas all kind of flow together. Now, he talked a little bit about how callings is not just the professional part, right? There's that deeper life piece that goes into it. And that is true for each of these concepts. And oftentimes, the challenge can be figuring out where are you off? What is missing? What's the gap? And when we're talking about purpose and passion, this is really important because not all passions are going to be fulfilled at work and not all types of purpose are going to be fulfilled at work. So the work around purpose talks about how there are three different levels or types of purpose that we have our own personal growth, personal fulfillment, 
we have our interpersonal relationships. So those one-to-one -one, uh, kind of family or friends relationships, and then our purpose in society and how we connect to that bigger society piece. And I know we've talked about that purpose in, in this program before. It's so important to recognize what, where does the purpose feel off and that we may not get purpose in all three areas all the time. And so for feeling off in our purpose at work, connecting to the purpose interpersonally or with the larger society may actually also help us figure out what's off in that purpose at work. Where could I reconnect with that? And from my perspective, again, that purpose is something that you figure out, you bring to work based on understanding where you're going, how you want to fit in, in the bigger picture in your life. And that may be this calling piece that Greg is talking about. You may be feeling that calling. It doesn't necessarily mean you got to shut down what you're doing right now to go chase it. It may mean that you can start taking those toes in the water where you are right now, finding that purpose of where you are right now and how does it connect to where you're going in your calling because typically there is some connection there's some opportunity to connect those dots and and not have to make a huge um you know chasm for yourself to cross over and and follow that calling then the next piece is this idea of passion and that passion at work doesn't fulfill all of your passions and this may seem obvious but I, I think that sometimes we lose track of that so when i was first becoming a career professional and i took some of the assessments for career services that we give our, our clients especially at the university settings and it identified that sports was one of my main passions i mean i love sports love to watch sports love to watch athletes athletes be athletic um, to me, it's kind of this embodiment of talent, right? When you when you see it, um, especially on the basketball court, basketball is one of my favorite sports to watch. And although I really got into the World Cup soccer and finally started to see some of that there, I'd always gotten a little lost in the game. But when we think about that passion, you have to be careful that that is not the work I wanted to do for my life. I knew I'd been enough. I'd gotten close enough to know that although I was really passionate about sports, it didn't allow me to do the things that I'm really passionate about in terms of developing others and teaching and coaching and it, it, there's a, yes, there's an opportunity there, but for me, from the path that I'd come up into, which was no, I have no collegiate athletic experience, right? That that the level that I would want to be at, the type of work that I would want to do in that field, would not those doors would not be open to me, and I knew that I had enough experience there to know that, and uh, took some steps, as Greg was saying, you know, take some steps towards that calling and see is that it. And to, for me, it was, no, that's, that's over here. That passion's over here, kind of on the side. But the big passion, the big passion is this developing others piece. And as I started to take steps in a different direction to develop that piece, that's when I got all the feels. 
and actually the embodiment there well there's two times that i can really feel that embodiment one was when i went with my mentor to my first career fair and i'm i'm an introverted person and she had pretty much only seen that introverted side and boy, when we got into that job fair and I was sitting at the table with people that needed help with their resume or were looking for um, work and I was talking to them, I lit up and we were in the car on the way home from that first job fair. And she said, Marie, like, what was that? I totally did not expect that you lit up when we were there. And that was one of those feelings and knowing that I was moving towards that more true passion for work, even though sports will always be a passion outside. The second was at my first real booth for Career Thought Leaders and Resume Writing Academy at the National Career Development Association Conference in 2016, 2015, 2015. In 2015, in Denver, Colorado, actually, ironically, um, People were coming to my table. They were talking about our programs. They were talking about how our programs had done so much for them and their work created by my predecessors. I had only been in the job for a year at that point. And that same kind of out of body of feeling of, I can't believe that this is what I get to do now, right? That this is my job. Solidifying at that point, which was really good because I just spent a house payment or a, a number, the amount of a house on this business, um, but solidifying that this was the right place to enact that passion. And this is important for us to all realize that the passion has many different ways that you can enact it. And it's finding that combination of places that use your skills, your training, the pieces that are already a part of you. I was talking to Melanie Denny, uh, she runs Empowered Presence, and we were talking about this, that you can't leave those pieces behind. So you're looking for a way to enact your passion, that you can bring those with you, that they can support you, that you can maintain that foundation, that trunk of who you are, but find a new branch where maybe the leaves can grow faster and the flowers can bloom brighter. That's what you're looking for. And it it's an opportunity to connect those purposes and those passions. But if you're looking for the, the eros, the, the, the lust, you'll often be disappointed. It's got to go deeper. You've got to find that deeper connection to who you are and what you want to do. We have another opportunity coming up to help people do this, to help them create a process to help clients do that. And that's our certified digital brand strategist class where we give you the tools to uncover some of that trunk and that brain, that, you know, those roots. And then how do you help someone connect those pieces through their digital brand so that they can become known for that and make that transition in their work and in their brand. So if you're interested in that, you can go to careerthoughtleaders.com, look under our certifications program, and you'll find the digital branding strategist. We'll be right back here again next week, and we'll look forward to hearing your thoughts. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover, you can always reach out to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. We'll see you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for 
for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. 